Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie Bowne and welcome to The Culture Catalyst, a podcast for leaders to embed the systems that create high-performance teams. I'm obsessed with the collective capacity for all humans to come together in small groups and make a difference. As a performance coach and author, I bring together a potent mix of positive psychology, neuroscience and organisation dynamics to help modern leaders create workplaces where people thrive. Hi, and welcome back to The Culture Catalyst. And today we're going to talk about, yep, where leaders often go wrong, the mistakes we make, the pitfalls to leadership, the raw truths about what it means to lead and the common stuff we actually see leaders do. Well, let's use the word, it's wrong. Let's get into it. So if we think about leadership as a system of behaviors, of a system of high performance habits that allow leaders to inspire people and develop their capability in service of performance, then adopting this system, learning this system of behaviors allows leaders to avoid the traps that we often fall into, that people who are new to leading or have never been formally trained in leadership often fall into. Now, there are probably four common pitfalls I see with working with leaders. They're literally working against themselves and they unwittingly enable low or mediocre performance by falling into these common pitfalls or these four traps. We're going to explore each of these today. But the first one we're going to deep dive into is where we don't address underperformance quickly enough. And this lowers the standard for everyone. This comes back to that old adage, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. So let's listen to an excerpt from my book, Purpose, Passion and Performance, on what happens when we're not addressing underperformance quickly enough. This reading is from Purpose, Passion and Performance by Stephanie Bowne. How systems for leadership, culture, and strategy drive the three P's of high-performing organisations. Positive workplace cultures can be double-edged swords. People who love where they work often do so because they love the people they work with. They have fun together. They respect each other. They consider each other friends, which is great on so many levels and not so great when we need to address underperformance. The Australian Government Fair Work Ombudsman classifies underperformance as one of four things. One, unsatisfactory work performance, as in a failure to perform duties to the standard required. Two, non-compliance with workplace policies, rules or procedures. Three, unacceptable behaviour in the workplace. And four, disruptive or negative behaviour that impacts co-workers. Georgia Merch aptly calls this being a dick. Classic. Too often we let small things slide because, well, they're small things. Mild lateness, corridor back chat, rolling eyes. But these small things, they build up fast and pretty soon we are flattened by the proverbial snowball. Not addressing underperformance quickly enough is like letting someone with muddy shoes walk all over your pristine carpet. It's unsightly, difficult to clean and often leaves a stain. If we wouldn't let someone muddy our carpet, why on earth would we let disrespectful behaviour muddy our workplace environment? Sometimes we forgive unacceptable or disruptive behaviour because we see people as rainmakers. People with special or hard-to-find skills who generate significant sales or save significant costs. We think we can't do without them, 
But in a 2015 Harvard Business School study by Michael Hausman and Dylan Miner of more than 50,000 employees across 11 firms found that a superstar performer, one who models desired values and delivers consistent performance, brings in more than US 5,300 in cost savings to a company. Avoiding a toxic hire or letting one go quickly delivers a US 12,500 in cost savings. In other words, these so-called rainmakers may make us more in revenue, but they cost us more too, cancelling out any reason for excusing poor behaviour. Beck Chi, Global Head of Talent at Atlassian, the $47 billion Australian software powerhouse, calls these people brilliant jerks. She describes them as people who are extremely bright and talented with respect to the way they execute their role, but aren't necessarily concerned with the impact they have on others. Atlassian's performance review system has changed to now place equal weight across three areas. Job skills, impact on other team members, and living the company values. Atlassian says the change will more fairly measure people on how they bring their whole self to work. The Honourable David Hurley, Australia's Governor-General, told us that the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. He was referring to the discrimination against women in the Defence Forces and was actively empowering the entire institution to make a stand for change. Being a leader means not walking past. It means holding ourselves and others accountable to higher standards. It means stepping outside our comfort zones and empowering ourselves with the tools and language to nip under performance in the bud. This reading was from Purpose, Passion and Performance, awarded top three leadership books in Australia in 2001. So how can we avoid the other traps and the other pitfalls that come with leading? One of the common pitfalls that people often come up against is we unwittingly punish our best people. What happens is we end up spending 80% of our time working with the 20% who are underperforming when really it should be the other way around. We should be investing more time, more effort into the star performers. But what often happens is these star performers, these great people, they're so reliable, they're so self-managed that we sort of set and forget with them. And then in addition to that, we task them with the bigger projects, the more important projects. And because they're typically very good performers and they, they're stepping up and they want to impress, they take on more and more and more and they overload themselves to the point sometimes of burnout and breaking before we turn around and say, hey, what's going on with your performance when we realize what we've done? Sometimes it's a little bit too late. Sometimes that person's already out the door. Sometimes even worse, their health is suffering. So we actually punish our star performers unwittingly by investing more time into the people that aren't performing and not thinking about these star performers. A really good example of that is a client of mine. I'm not going to use his, his name. We'll call him John. He's based in Europe. He just recently took on the delivery of software solutions for the global organization. He's moved beyond just delivering software within Europe to taking on these teams that are based all around the world and helping manage their delivery schedules. Now, John is a star performer. He's very positive. He's very proactive. And I just caught up with him recently. I asked him how he was going and he said, look, it's great that I've 
getting promoted. I'm trusted with this additional workload. Uh, even more importantly, I'm based in Europe when the Australian most of the Australian organisation is based uh, remotely. He described the experience, though, as swimming in the ocean, uh, not quite drowning, but swimming towards a ship. And he knows once he gets on the ship, he's going to be okay. But as he's swimming, the ship keeps getting further and further away. And I said to John, that sounds, that sounds pretty difficult. Are you, uh, are you drowning? Are you close to going under the water? And he said, no, no, right now I feel like I'm okay. But I hope that ship stops, stops moving. And, you know, he's a really great example of somebody who's just been heaped on, you know, heaped on with extra work. We've really got to keep mindful watch around on people like John. And it's common. This mistake is common. So a study published in Personnel Psychology in 2013 looked at several industries and it revealed that the top 5% of the workforce at the firms that they research produced 26% of the firm's total output. So we do have these top performers who deliver like a large proportion of the work, disproportionate amount of the output. We need to look after those star performers. We really need to be supporting them and not getting sidetracked and uh, diverted onto underperformers who tend to soak up and take up more of our time. So the other pitfall that leaders and managers can fall into is that they spend an enormous amount of time creating great strategic plans and setting goals and then kind of lock it away, put it in the drawer, set and forget and get back to -to day-to-day work, get back to business as usual, and then come back and look at the goals, you know, a period of time later, more often than not, it's a year later, and realize actually we haven't really fully achieved the goals we set at the start of the year. So what they're doing is they're great at generating plans and goals, but failing at implementation. So this is famously recorded in some research by uh, Michael Mankins and Richard Steele in a Harvard Business Review article called Turning Great Strategy into Great Performance. And they they reported that companies typically only realise about 60% of their strategy's potential value because of defects and breakdowns in planning and execution, not because the plan was flawed, because the execution of the plan was flawed. So we're only really ever getting about 60% of what we set or what we believe we should achieve by kind of just looking at the performance of the business. And this is all due to poor strategy execution habits and practices of leaders. So what we really need to do is get better at creating this strategy creation, strategy execution cycle where we set goals, but we're constantly working towards monitoring and asking, having performance conversations about our achievements against these goals and cycles. So as a leader, don't fall into the trap of thinking that just because I've set a goal and and my team have looked at me and nodded and put it in their performance plans and agreed to it, by no means does that mean that they are going to achieve that goal without your continuous uh, support, checking in, conversations about how we're going against it so that we can keep our eyes on the prize, our eyes on what's possible, the potential we have to achieve and keep finding ways to move towards that goal. If you'd like to participate in a free online learning event for CEOs, founders or people and culture executives, go to my website, stephaniebound.com forward slash events for more information and to secure your spot. This year, we have a program of events on how to create alignment, transform culture or inspire high performance. I look forward to seeing you there. And the third common trap, everybody talks about this and yet we keep falling into it. We promote people with strong technical capability into leadership positions and forget that leadership itself is a skill that is learned. Just because you're a technical specialist does not then mean you will necessarily easily translate into people leadership. 
And I just had a conversation with another senior leader in a global organization. Uh, her made up name is Stacy. And Stacy has this exact issue. She's got a very strong technical project manager leader who was brought in to lead the project management team. Uh, but what they failed to do was really test and assess this individual's leadership capability. And now her team that she's managing are very disengaged, feeling very disempowered, and that she's starting to see turnover in that team. So what I put in front of Stacy was a talent map where on the vertical, we look at technical capability, whether that's entry, moderate, and high. And then on the horizontal, we look at leadership capability, again, entry, moderate, and high. So we've got a three by three grid. And I asked Stacy, where does this individual sit on the talent map? She said, ah, she's high in technical, she's low in leadership, she's at that top left hand quadrant of the map. And that tool gives Stacy uh, an opportunity to go back to this leader and say, look, this is where I see you, you're very strong technically, but we need to build up your leadership capability so that you are enabled to properly lead and manage this team. Sometimes people don't see it as a gap. It's a blind spot for them. We assume that just because we're really strong in a, in a discipline, we're also going to be able to translate in that into leading others with that discipline. And we forget that that is a set of skills we actually need to go and learn. Similarly, I'm talking to a construction company, a founder-led construction company. They've reached, they've sort of scaled up to the point where they've got around 100, 150 people. They have a a senior leadership team in place now, a team of seven to eight individuals who are now considered senior leaders. They've got this structure in place. All but one of those senior leaders has had any formal leadership training. And this founder has identified that, has felt that as a challenge because he's not seeing delegation, he's not seeing empowerment, he's not seeing coaching, he's not seeing people held accountable. And so we're now coming together to talk about a leadership development program for that particular senior leadership group. So it's, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in being promoted to senior leadership and then realizing, oops, I actually don't know how to lead. What's important is that we recognize it and then we actively work on doing it. And look, the truth is as leaders, we make these mistakes every day. We fall into these traps, come back to the fact of the matter that leading is actually terrifyingly difficult and you're not expected to just pick it up and run with it. But if you can think into and lean into this idea that leadership is a system of high performance habits, behaviors that help people understand what their purpose is in the organization and how You can help them develop the skills and capabilities to meet the standards and expectations of that purpose. Then we build high performance cultures. And that's what leaders do. They inspire people to rise, they activate talent, they leverage strengths, they coach, and they normalize a feedback culture that allows those things and those doing those things, they are skills. They are skill sets that anyone can learn with the right mindset and the right amount of practice, just like any formal set of training or skill sets that you want to adopt. So I encourage you to lean into that and and always keep learning about how you can avoid the pitfalls of leadership and empower yourself with the capacity to inspire. In preparing for the podcast this week, I went back to a book that I dearly love, a book by Brené Brown, Dare to Lead. I love this book for so many reasons, but one of the reasons why I came back to it this week was because I was thinking about how hard leadership can be. You know, it really is not for the faint-hearted. We often lean into leadership because we think it comes with more money, 
more prestige, it's the only way to develop a career, etc. And we forget the work that's required to be a leader. And this particular book really is about helping people understand that true leadership is an ability to what Brene Brown calls rumbling with vulnerability. And I'm going to read you a quote from that book that I find really powerful. So she says, a rumble is a discussion, conversation or meeting defined by a commitment to learn, to lean into vulnerability, to stay curious and generous, to stick with the messy middle of problem identification and solving, to take a break and circle back when necessary, to be fearless in owning our parts and, as psychologist Harriet Lerner teaches, to listen with the same passion with which we want to be heard. So it sounds scary and it is, it totally is. The reward for leading, the reward for really activating and inspiring people around us is enormous. And I think that's why people keep coming back to this idea of leadership and why they seek it. It's certainly why I seek it. So pick up Dare to Lead by Brene Brown if you want to be inspired about the true work of leadership and how to be vulnerable. Thanks for listening to The Culture Catalyst. If you've enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and feel free to leave a review. And if you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. So what will be your catalyst for change today? I'm Stephanie Bowne. See you next time on The Culture Catalyst.